Hey y'all, it's Ethan here with my lovely co-host, also Ethan. Hey, happy to be here. Yeah, once again, we just literally recorded, what, two hours ago? Two hours ago, coming back with episode two, trying to get them out quickly. Yeah, we're, we're, we're pretty hyped. This is great. So, uh, yeah, we're going over position prototypes today. Yeah, it should be really fun. And, you know, it's a good thing going forward as we look at players to kind of see what we look for when we're scouting them. Absolutely, yeah. Um, so today we're going to kind of break it up. We were looking into offense and defense, and we thought that it would actually be a better pace if we went to three different segments. So the way that we're looking to do this, today we've got quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers, and tight ends. Kind of the skill positions on offense, because if you do much more than that, then it'll be a three-hour podcast and no one's going to listen to that. Absolutely. So, And then going into the further episodes, we've got two more um, coming up, we're going to have offensive, defensive line. I figure the trenches are a great place where we can um, just kind of divide that up into one specific segment because they really they battle against each other. And that'll probably be my favorite segment to record because I love line play. It's so much fun to watch. Absolutely, and there's so much nuance to it that I don't think uh, the NFL, like the NFL Network, for example, will ever go over because they just see strong and mean and well, casual fans don't really care about you know hand positioning. No, but no. the really intense football fans, they care about all those crazy details, which is why we do this because we're some of those crazy fans. And I think that's a really important thing to look for when you're a draft first podcast, which we are, um, is to know what you want to see and who you can try to um, use as teaching tape um, when you go and you look at uh, and when you look at some rookies. So uh, the final, the third podcast that we're going to have out, um, that's going to be the defensive skill positions. Those are going to be linebackers um, and secondary. And that may be our longest episode because I know those positions each have a lot of nuance in them, and especially secondary play is a very mental position, so we'll go into some of the mental game of that, what secondary players are looking for when they're playing defense. Yep, and not just that, but also um, the fact that certain schemes and certain uh, roles, you might have the same position, but, but for example, Richard Sherman and Chris Harris Jr. are two completely different types of corners, both at, at their peaks elite. Yes, but they do two completely different things on the field. Yeah, I, that's the one I'm I'm personally looking forward to the most. Um, so, uh, let's go ahead and get it started with the quarterbacks and running backs. We'll go ahead and take a break. We'll be back, um, and we'll hop into uh, the hop into wide receiver, tight end, the pass catchers. Well, except for running backs. So, let's start off the quarterback, the most important player on the team. Um, Your signal caller. He's got to be good. You've got to know what you're looking for in a scout because it's easy to draft a bust at QB, so you really have to know what you're looking for. Absolutely. Um, you know, a, a team, you can be a great team with a bad quarterback. You you won't be anything. I mean, for example, Tampa Bay last year, they had all Absolutely. the pieces, elite receiving core, great defense, great offensive line, and Jameis Winston. Exactly. Yeah. It, so just to go, just kind of go into that. Um, there are six things, and I think you can, you and I can agree, we need to see five to see a first-round quarterback. If you don't have five of them, then you're going to fall down to probably day two. Absolutely. Yeah, you're not a complete prospect at that point. So, um, to go into uh, the, the six things, these are in order by value, um, I believe is what we did, correct? Yes. Okay. So, uh, first one is instincts. These are your pocket presence, how will you feel it, is the game too fast for you at the college level? Because if it's too fast at the college level... Then it's going to be so fast at the NFL level yeah, for you. They get bigger, faster, stronger, and all of a sudden you are drowning. Uh, this is where you see a lot of a lot of quarterbacks that cannot adjust. Even if they're a total machine in college, 
they can adjust to the new speed of the game, um, and and it really it ruins their decision making. Well, and this is the big thing that's the difference between a great college quarterback and a great NFL quarterback is their instincts and their yeah. ability to feel the game. Yeah, one. I mean, one of many, but this is I think the primary one. Um, the difference between, you know, a, a guy who's, I mean, a, even a guy like Justin Herbert, I feel like is a great. Justin Herbert's a great college quarterback. You know, he won a Rose Bowl this year. He won his conference the year before that. Like, he's a very successful winning college quarterback. But there were some throws that were really concerning in his ability to move around, and you could just tell that the game was moving too fast for Herbert. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, second one that we have is processor. This one's this one is what people tend to think of when they think of intangibles at the quarterback position, and that is going to be how quickly can you get through reads? Can you go through full field reads instead of just half field? Um, how well can you dissect passing concepts and know the coverages? Um, can you see coverage rotations? This is a mile deep and something that, while it's incredibly important at the college level, we put instincts over that because you've seen guys develop the processor but not develop, that, that already have instincts, but it's hard to find someone that develops instincts. And you know, the perfect example of that, very recent, everyone's favorite player right now is Patrick Mahomes. Absolutely. You watch his college tape, and there are just some boneheaded throws that I'm not really sure what he saw other than that he has a ridiculous arm. Absolutely. Um, but now, after being under Andy Reid for two years, who's, I think we can agree, the best offensive mind in football right now. Yep. In the passing game. In least. the passing game. And uh, Mahomes has grown so much in his ability to see the field, make full field reads, and not just read one route, Absolutely. which is what you see a lot in college. Now, on the kind of conversely to that, I look at a dude with all instincts, no processor. Um, that might be Patrick Mahomes coming out of college. I think you look at a dude with all processor, no instincts, and to a certain extent, he does have some pretty good instincts. Is Mitchell Trubisky. Mitchell Trubisky, yeah, I mean, he had a pretty good processor in college. He really doesn't feel the game. It's too fast for him. He doesn't know when to put touch on his passes and just yeah, gets rough. It, it's a – now, he does show good instincts. For example, he'll – and this is something I, I love what Brett Coleman said. To get to fourth quarter Mitch, you have to survive second quarter Mitch. That is – but surviving second quarter Mitch sometimes exactly. is rough. Exactly. That'll drown you. You, you know? really can't have a quarterback that's going to put you in a hole at the beginning of the game unless you know he can bail you out of it. Yeah. And I almost, I almost think that a better example of a of a all-processor, no instincts might be a Derek Carr. Derek, like that's the old – like you're talking about a system, like a purely system quarterback. Derek Carr actually, because of his injury, lost the instincts and the feel for the game. You know, it's really sad because Derek Carr, before his injury, was an MVP candidate. Absolutely. A great quarterback. But since he's broken his back, he's kind of become skittish, doesn't trust his instincts, is all-processor. Absolutely, yeah. And I think it's one of those things, if you can put him – if you can surround him with the right people, he can be really good. Um, yeah, just, you know – bounced like the ball just bounced the wrong way on a couple a couple times and it, he just looks completely different it's a really it's really sad to see that he's just really a different player completely since the injury absolutely so um, this is another thing consistency and, and, and consistency I specifically mean footwork but there's a lot of things whether it's your grip your arm angles um, your drops even Baker Mayfield is a perfect example of a guy very consistent but his drop is not and it hurts him um you know, and that goes into footwork, but specifically like in passing the ball because your motion can be ugly, a la Philip Rivers. But he's consistent with that motion. It's always just as ugly. It's always the same ugly throwing motion, and the ball comes out fine. If your throwing motion is changing constantly, you're going to see what we saw in Jacob Eason this year, 
where his throws are all over the place, and you're Absolutely. like, "What's going on?" Every now and then he just rolls. Every now and then he just rolls snake eyes, and it's just a bomb. It's perfect. It's beautiful. He's getting hit. Uh, we watched the game this year, and it's maybe the best throw I've ever seen in my life. Absolutely, he is getting absolutely demolished by the Oregon safety. I believe it was Javon Holland who was blitzing and just destroys him. Yeah. And he throws the ball while getting hit to the back of the end zone. Interestingly enough, it's very similar. It's it's very similar to the play that Justin Herbert made that same game where he was getting destroyed by a linebacker and threw it. You know, and it's just and and that's where I brought up in the previous episode. If you haven't listened to that, make sure you do. It's about my top ten quarterbacks, and I mentioned everybody in the NFL has an NFL arm. Yes, just about. It's about finding the dudes to have it between the ears. Between the ears is something that not everyone in the NFL has. Hint, hint. Mitchell Trubisky. Yeah. So next up is leadership. Don't be Jay Cutler. Can we? No. That's... I mean, as great as Aaron Rodgers is, you do see stuff. Yes. And you, this isn't. I mean, this for me is kind of a must-have because. If your quarterback is polarizing, then your locker room falls apart. And, you know, I love watching Cam Newton play, but that Carolina locker room kind of fell apart. It did. And it was rough. And it was rough when you don't have. And now this leadership is also working to create. It, it was working to create chemistry. You know. With your receiving core. And, you know, when you come into that huddle and you have a quarterback that's confident, calm, can lead you to win the game, then that's a better football team. Absolutely. Than the quarterback that's panicked in the huddle, like, all right, guys, guys, I don't know what we're going to do. Well, that's not what you want in your quarterback. You want the guy that comes into the huddle and is like, all right, here's the play. We're going to be fine. Yeah. And now this is uh, this is kind of a, a little bit of a sidetrack here, but I think this is going to be something that's important to lay out now that's going to apply to every position we do. And this is something I was thinking about the other day. I haven't actually talked to you about this. So in every single play, they are a, it is a series of matchups. Yes. Quarterback versus the entire defense. Receiver versus defensive back. Tight end versus linebacker. Offensive line versus defensive line. Running back versus linebacker. All this stuff, right? What I want on my team is a man who steps up to that. Is a man who steps up to that. Um, that. You know his opposition, and dictates the engagement. Yeah, I mean that's what it, that's what yeah. a star player I, does. I don't want like, and a if you're a good receiver, you're going to go up to that corner, and rather than reading what that corner does, you know, rather than seeing what, rather than waiting to see what the corner does and then playing off of that, you make him read you. Yeah, I mean that's what yeah. a great receiver does. Is what a great quarterback trusts his receiver to do that. Mm-hmm. An NFL quarterback won't just read a defense. He'll manipulate the defense. He'll manipulate he'll the defense, and he'll know where the space is. We talked about this in the last episode, the difference between reading players and reading space. Absolutely, yeah. And, well, and it's, you know, for example, just to go back to Patrick Mahomes, right? Patrick Mahomes does not just read a defense. In fact, he barely read a defense his first year. No, not and hardly at all. He dictated what the defense did. He made the defense change how they play. A good running back is not just going to follow his blocks, get a couple yards. Like a, a really, a truly incredible running back is going to dictate the way that they play the run. Barry Sanders made you play every gap in, all the way to the backside. Oh, and if you didn't, he was going to run through the he gap. He dictated every single engagement. And this is part of leadership. A quarterback needs to dictate, ev- and every player on this list 
needs to dictate every single engagement. And I think that's something that we can go over when we... I think it's a really good point to go over when we get to our examples. Yes, for sure. So, thank you for surviving that tangent. Um, next up, after leadership, then we get to arm talent. And, you know, and I think it's important to clarify. A lot of people put this first. They're like, oh, but he has a great arm, which is why Justin Herbert was drafted number six overall. Yeah. But that is not the most important thing. It is important. You need to, you need to be able to throw a 10-yard out. That's kind of the standard for uh, If you can strength. throw a 15-yard out from the opposite hash, you're fine. you got a good enough arm. Daniel Jones can throw that. That's a good enough arm. And people think, oh, Daniel Jones has a bad arm. Well, can he throw that, make that throw? Exactly. He That's, can make that throw. Daniel Cut, uh, David Cutcliffe, not Daniel. David Cutcliffe is the head coach for uh, Duke football. He was the coach for Tennessee back when Peyton Manning was there. He's worked with Peyton Manning, Eli Manning, since they have been in in college football. And he said he was kind of, you know, selling Daniel Jones to the NFL, as you're supposed to do as a coach. And he was talking to them. He said, the standard NFL throw that that's kind of a test is a 10, 15 yard out to the opposite hash. If you can throw that with some good zip and get it there with anticipation, that's all you need. If you can make that throw, you can make all the throws that you need from the pocket. Yes. Now, arm talent, it goes into a couple places. Do you have a strong enough arm to make the throws you need to make at the NFL level? Find smaller holes than you have in college. Well, because the windows in the NFL are much smaller than they are in college. It's just a fact. Yeah. It, it's not just the fact that they're faster, but it's the fact that you've got to put it in a smaller hole because these guys are bigger. They've got longer arms. They can clog up throwing lanes. You know, your average college corner is not even going to be six foot. No. In a lot of teams. And in the NFL, what is it, 6'1"? In the NFL, you're looking, your prototype is a 6'1 corner. Yep. So the, the, the throwing lanes are automatically going to close on top of their athleticism. And so you can find a smaller hole. Um, another part, and this isn't necessarily on this list, but having a quick release helps with that as well. It really does. It helps with all those things, being able to get the ball out quickly and efficiently. Yeah. Um, and, then on after, and then as well as arm talent, you've got to spin it. This is something we brought up last week. Spinning the ball is, it's not just, oh, it looks pretty on NFL films, right? And it does. It and we really love does. It. But one of those things when you see a guy, and I believe I use Jared Goff. Jared Goff spins the ball very well. For the fact that he doesn't have an incredibly strong arm, he has a beautiful deep ball. And his ability to, he has a strong enough arm to where he can throw the ball 30, 40, 50 yards down the field with an arc. Yes. And that makes it so much easier to catch. And not to mention the fact that that arc, the best deep ball throwers in the league, have always had a really high arc because you can throw into tighter coverage. And, you know, that actually ties us perfectly to our was a, comparison, and that is Russell Wilson, who probably throws the best deep ball in the league. It's, if, if you don't think he does, I'm very interested in seeing who you put because Russell Wilson has, he's a killer down the field. That, that's all he is. Uh, I mean, I say that's all he is. What isn't he? But he's got, and let's go down a list. We forgot mobility. Mobility was last for us. Mobility, I mean, you can have a Jared Goff and be fine. But yeah. having mobility does help you, as we've seen with some great quarterbacks, such as Russell Wilson, where he hasn't had a real offensive line ever. Has yeah. he ever had a good yeah. offensive line? No, he really hasn't. And now let's not make, now, no. and this is where I think it's good a good time to address uh, the reigning MVP, Lamar Jackson. Because, first of all, you're not going to find another Lamar Jackson. Don't try. 
Um, I mean, that's just a surefire way she, to find you a bus because he, there's not many people that are a wide receiver level athlete at quarterback. Absolutely. Um, and we're not even going to get into right now the development of a quarterback because to to find a quarterback and develop him the way that Lamar Jackson developed in his second year is it, it's just not happening. Like, well, his work ethic and how much he's gotten better is just ridiculous. Absolutely. I don't know if you follow him on Instagram, but he's constantly posting workout videos, pictures with coaches, and like the guy wants to win. Absolutely. He wants to prove that he can win a playoff game, and I really hope he does this year. I, I mean, I do too. I was a doubter up until about a quarter, third of the way through this last season um, as to, okay, great, he can throw a spiral, but, like, as a passer. But he really showed it this year. He, took he really did re- deserve the MVP this year. Now, first year Lamar Jackson was nowhere near an elite quarterback. No. And he, he had all the mobility in the world, but he lacked the arm talent, the consistency, the processor. And those are very important. That's why list. he fell all the way to the Ravens. Which the Ravens, kudos to them to, to seeing his that was, talent. That, I mean, that's some that's some bravery on their part to sit there and take him with a first-round pick and to go, this guy's nowhere close to being a quarterback. But he can be. Exactly. So that, that was incredible trust in their coaching staff. That's where your GM and your coaching staff have to be on the same page. And that's something that you see the teams that are struggling that don't have that. And, you know, I've heard one team this year was considering going into the draft without a coach, and I was like, no, don't do that. That's No. That's dangerous because then you're, you know, handing the coach the ingredients, saying, hey, figure this out, instead of letting him pick which players he wants. Uh, not and, and the general manager, they don't just have to be in lockstep with the coach. They have to be in lockstep with not just the coordinators schematically, but you have to go to your position coaches and say, this player right here, show him the film. Go, can you coach this? Can you take this guy? You know, you look at a team like Pittsburgh; they could take literally any wide receiver in the entire draft and make him great, and and make them a starting caliber wide receiver, if not better, because they just have it's. They just do it. They do it every year. They do it. They drafted Chase Claypool this year at tight end, which I really think needs to play receiver, but he's going to be scary. Yeah, I mean there there are teams that do this in the NFL where. You look. I mean, the the Ravens do this all the time with defensive linemen. Dallas with offensive linemen. Like they're just some teams that they can just, really develop players. They, they really they draft and develop, and then you've got the Green Bay Packers. Well, then we're not going into them. So, <laughs> so Wilson's our prototype there. Um, it's you know it's pretty self explanatory. Honestly, he he does all those things. He's got the instincts, processor, consistency, leadership, arm talent, mobility, and that's why he's an elite. That's why he's a top two. Uh, quarterback. We didn't put Patrick Mahomes, by the way, because if you look for Patrick Mahomes, you're not going to find him. Running backs. Th- these okay. Can we address the can, can we address the the running back value conversation? Oh, the running back value conversation. This is, we have different opinions on this. I'm you know, running backs don't matter that kind of thing. I kind of think that you don't draft. I'm kind of with the PFF thing. I don't think you touch a running back till late second, early third round. Okay. And, and just explain your position for us here. Well, I mean, you can take an average running back. For example, before the Cow- while Zeke was holding out this year, the Cowboys took Tony Pollard, and he averaged, what, four yards a carry, and they were moving the ball efficiently. So you can kind of find – you can find running backs a lot easier than other positions. They are not hard to find. 
I mean, that sounds terrible. They're NFL athletes. I'm not saying they're bad. But it's easier to find a great running back than it is a great quarterback. A great quarterback is rare. A great running back is, you know, attainable. And if not great, then they're good enough to get you by through a year just because the position is less valuable. It's hard to get by with just an okay quarterback. All right, so um, if we look at the Dallas Cowboys, because I I feel like this is a perfect time to sit here and and talk about These are just statistics. But if you look at these guys, they're on the same team, same offensive line. They're not even playing. It's not like somebody got – it's not like Zeke – didn't play the second half. Like, they both played the same, right? The same games against the same teams. Zeke had 1,300 yards and some change. Yep. With uh, with 301 carries. Tony Pollard with 86 carries. He's getting six a game, just about. 455 yards. That's a higher yards per rush clip than Ezekiel Elliott. Now, you can sit there and say that they, I mean, there's a lot of stuff to this, right? They, they would play the run harder when Zeke's in because, duh, you would. I mean, it is Zeke. Yeah, yeah. so, but I, there's a there's a very much a reason behind it. And and when you look at uh, wins, above, wins above replacement for a lot of this kind of stuff, you'll see that running backs are less valuable than other positions. Now, for me, I'm very much in favor of the draft a dude, if you're going to draft a running back in the first round, do it. Don't pay him. Yeah, you you if run you, him to the ground. You, you use his fifth year option, and then you let him go because the tires are done. Like you know what? If you're the Chiefs and you want to drive and you want to draft Clyde Edwards Healer, like he's going to be good for you. One downs one through four because he can play special teams too. Um, run the tread off the tires. Just like you can do, you can peel out if you want. Because when his fifth year option is done, bye. He's gone. He's going to go to some team. And sucker them into some deal. Maybe if you look at how the quarterback, if you look at how the running back market's opening up this next year with the free agents, no, like you're gonna you're gonna find good running backs sitting because we've had so many good running backs. And I, and I'd like to point out, it's not that running backs aren't, it's not that running backs don't matter. It's that choosing the right running back doesn't really matter. I mean, I choosing think Samaj P. Ryan still a free agent. He was a solid running back for two years for Washington. Dude, you can go pick up Marlon Mack out of free agency this year. He's going to be the 20th best running back in the free agent market or something like that, you know? Like, you're finding really solid running backs. I mean, you can go, okay, you can find Eno Benjamin in the seventh round. Um, tremendous value. I don't, I'm still unsure how he fell that far, but... That's better value than, I mean, it, the dude from uh, the dude from Baylor this year. Uh, I can't think of his name. Jamichael right Hasty. Jamichael Hasty. Undrafted. Joshua Kelly from UCLA. Like these guys. He went in the sixth, I think. Yeah, and these guys are incredibly like they're good running backs. They're athletic, and they were basically free. And what you're paying a sixth round pick, seventh round pick is or undrafted. Changed. I mean, you you go you go grab Jamichael Hasty for Seattle, or oh, not dear. for Seattle for San Francisco. That's scary. That's it. He he fits their scheme, everything, and they did that after the draft was over. So. Let's actually get to, like, running backs. Um, so, uh, f- we've got five things here, and I think we agree. We need to see all of these things to even consider you in the first round as a draft. Now, we're not saying re-sign, but I think this is just talent evaluation here. Oh, yeah. If you have all these things, we can consider you in the first round. Yeah. Outside most, of that, you're looking at second or third. Yes, the most important thing on our list is vision. Just being able to see the blocks developed in front of you. 
Absolutely. If you're running into if you're running into closed holes, like then what are you doing? Exactly. Um, this is where guys like Le'Veon Bell, who are not necessarily the most athletically gifted, are able to produce at a tremendous level. They, he really is. And he doesn't. He's not a an athlete at the same caliber as a lot of these elite running backs. You know, I'm going to plug somebody who, I mean, we have no connection to him, but hopefully one day we will. And that's a Brett Coleman has a video called The Art of Patience about how his vision works. And any football fan should go and watch that. Absolutely. I mean, it's a perfect example of, uh, it's a perfect example of how you don't have to actually necessarily, you can produce yardage for the line in the same way the line can produce yardage for you as a running back. Um, so, first one's vision. you got to find the right hole to get any yardage. Then, number two, this is kind of a buzzword in draft Twitter, contact balance. It's an, it's a buzzword, but it's very... For good reason. It's a buzzword for good reason. If you have a guy that gets hit and can't stay on his feet, then he's just not going to be a very effective running back. You get someone like Eno Benjamin, who can keep getting hit and somehow stay on his feet, or Najee Harris this year. Alvin Kamara is perfect for that. You talk about the balance, the contact balance, the ability to not necessarily shrug off a hit, but to absorb it and just twist and turn your way down the field. I mean, that's a perfect example. It really is. And honestly, I kind of, yeah, I kind of think he should be making one of our two guys as the prototype. Oh, for sure. Um, so, and then the third one, this is when you get to power and speed. Like, you, and this is or, either or. If you got both, that's fantastic, you know. that's If you have both, you're Saquon Barkley. If you have both, you're Saquon Barkley. Um, so, you could either have power, right? You've got your, oh, I mean, I was about to say Leonard Fournette. He's got both. Yeah, he really does. Like, a lot of these guys, speed is more important than power, but having that power aspect just makes you, it's the physical aspect here. And then this one's actually a little bit more intangible, and that's finish. If you don't have a running back that keeps driving his legs after contact, then he's just not going to be an NFL running back, or he's not going to go very far in the NFL because you want someone who can get you yards after contact. It's a very underrated stat. Absolutely. I mean, that's the yardage that the offensive line doesn't give you. No, that's the hidden yardage in games. Who's the guy that's going to drive his legs and get that half yard and get you into the end zone? Um, and this, this is what really... Anybody can be a starting caliber running back in the... I say anybody. Any starting caliber running back at the NFL can pick up a 1,000 yards behind a good line, right? The difference... Finish gives you the extra 500. Finish is the difference between uh, your Leonard Fournette's and your Zeke's. And, you know, someone we're really excited to watch this year who made production running behind an awful offensive line in college oh, yes. is Cam Akers. Thank you for bringing that up. Cam Akers... I mean, he basically created all of his yards. His offensive line might as well have not existed. I would go. I would go so far as to say, eighty percent of his yardage, if not more, was after contact. I mean, the amount of plays he's getting hit in the backfield and still getting six yards on the carry is yeah, just it was ridiculous. It was a combination of contact, balance, power, and speed, and then churning his legs, just to finish. Yeah, to finish. You don't want to go dead on contact. That's actually the difference between Derrick Henry this year and last year. It really is, and you know he went he or not last year, but when he two years ago when he struggled immensely, he he really struggled with his legs going dead on contact and just going down and using his frame to just lay down and get two extra yards. When you look at this year, 
He didn't go down easy. He's driving through contact. He's got the power for it. You know, he's a freight train on the move. It's just about wanting it more. It really so is. something that Zeke has really taken a step down into, by the way. I'd, I'd really like to see him step that back up this like, year because that's what made him so valuable his first year in the league. It's hard not to sit there and say that it's because he got paid. I think it is. I think he's gotten paid and he's kind of settled. It looks like a business decision because you never saw him run out of bounds. Like, he would not run out of bounds. He would hit somebody on the way out. Uh, that's part of what made him so good is that wore down defense is taking so many hits. Yeah. I think another another great example of this would be Mark Ingram. Mark Ingram is a bowling ball. Yeah. So, um, and then the final one, and this is actually, I, I put it last, but it's not necessarily last. It's receiving. Um, in, in today's NFL, I mean, this is, if okay, this should not be news to anybody. It's but becoming in, more important. In today's NFL, you're not a first-round running back if you cannot catch the ball out of the backfield. No, why? that's why Jonathan fact, Taylor fell out of the first round this year. I mean, you it's not even just about catching the ball out of the backfield anymore. It's about flexing out into the slot. I mean, you saw Aaron Jones in the uh, conference championship game run a post out of the backfield and catch it. That's something running back 10 years ago couldn't do. Uh, it's something they didn't do very it's something they didn't do very often. I mean, this is along the lines of who is that uh, running back for the um, greatest show on turf? Oh, I'm missing his name right now. I'm blanking. Okay, you talk for a little bit. About yeah, backs. we're looking at that running back. So <laughs> I gotta it. find this man. Now that, we brought, now that we brought up the name, we have to. Uh, uh, okay. To tell who that is, but it's something that's becoming more and more important every year. Someone like Clyde Edwards-Helaire got drafted by the Chiefs. He's really gonna get to highlight his ability to do that in that offense, and that's gonna be really exciting to watch. Absolutely, and uh, you know, I think this is one of those things where when you go look at, at a new running at, at a running back. You've got to you've got to change the way that you think about it from the from the older concept. No, of, it's no longer a guy who just takes a handoff and runs straight forward. They can do a lot more than that. In Marshall Falk. Marshall Falk. Thank you, goodness. That yeah. So it, people have been doing it for a while. It's just the way that they use them now. Uh, and so I think now we get into our actual examples of prototype as we're running past thirty minutes. Um, I, I think so. I put down Saquon because he's got. Division, that's probably his weakest area in all this. Yeah. Is his vision, um, but his contact balance, power, and speed, finish, and receiving abilities are all top notch. You know, he will fight for yards after contact. He will not even you, you can't even get contact on him because you'll miss him. You know, and then he will go out wide. He will flex out wide as a receiver, and he's a legitimate receiver. Oh yeah, he's a threat out wide. So it and it really it tests it tests your entire team. Um, and then I think the guy that we didn't put on here that I really wish we had because he's my, he's personally, one of my favorites, um, is Alvin Kamara. He is the definition of contact balance and receiving ability. Oh, it's insane! Like he is his own archetype at this point, and I, I really, he was out for a lot of the year last year. I'm really hoping he can come back. That hurt me in fantasy. I'm not gonna lie. It hurt he me just, too. He was the third overall pick of the draft. I was really excited, and that hurt. And injuries. Anyway, so. We're going to go ahead. Um, we're going to take a break, uh, stretch our legs a little bit, and get some water. My throat is starting to die. I can <laughs> feel it. It's bad. Uh, but we will come back for the pass catchers uh, in the next, I'll well, try to get it under an hour. How's that? Yeah, it should be good. All right. All right, and we're back. Um, 
How are you feeling? Oh, pretty good. Excited to get into the wide receivers and then finish off with the tight ends. Uh, yeah, me too. I just need to make sure that my throat doesn't explode. That would be a bonus. That would be kind of graphic. Yeah, we couldn't do this anymore if my throat exploded. No, that, that would be a bad way to end it. That's the only. That's like the only util, like the only utilitarian value I have to you at this point. I mean, it really is. I just it's something. I have a thing going that I can funnel our interest through. Well, and your fingers for editing. That's a weird way to put that. Okay, let's just move on. Um, <laughs> I think I might leave this in too. Uh, um, so going to the pass catchers. Uh, so, so to start wide receiver, and we're going to do this a little bit differently after we go through the, the desirable traits, we're going to each have our top three kind of prototypes and what we look for, uh, like the, the examples. So I, we don't know each other's either. So first thing that we decide is hands. I mean, I feel like that's a pretty obvious one. If you can't catch the ball, you can't play receiver. If you get the drops, that's going to hurt you very badly. Just watch some Packers games. Yes. Uh, routes. I, I mean, hands are pretty self-explanatory. Do we even need to talk about that? I really don't think so. Yeah, it's just consistency. Um, routes. Separation is king. I mean, they're not going to throw you the ball if you're not open. Exactly. I mean, even if you're a good jump ball receiver that can't separate, you're only going to have a certain... You're only going to have a certain success rate, and that's going to be lower than if you're just... Comp- like, if you just separated. And I feel like the next one here is a little less self-explanatory, and that's release. Yeah, I mean, Absolutely. Um, and okay, so correct me if I'm wrong, because you might be coming at this from a different angle, but this is just getting off the line of scrimmage. Yes, if you can't get off the line of scrimmage, you can't get into your route, it throws off the whole timing of the play, and it likely leads to a sack. Yeah. And and not just, and I, yeah, I think you brought up something important there, it's not just the timing necessarily either, but uh, another another pretty important aspect of this is being able to not just to get off the line with a free release, and not just keep the keep the offense on time, but to also outposition the defensive back from the jump. Yes, if you start off at the wrong angle, then it just throws everything off. Yeah. So, and kind of what I'm talking about here is sometimes you'll like you'll occasionally see a receiver that beats a corner so bad at the line of scrimmage, it doesn't matter where what the, that the corner exists at that point. No, he could run literally any route and he's open. Exactly. So. Uh, some of your best, I mean, some of the guys that are pretty particularly good at this, Amari Cooper, Devontae Adams. I mean, Both amazing at it. I, uh, Tyreek Hill, just from the aspect of the fact that he's so fast, you kind of can't press him. No, you really can't. Unless it's a double team. So uh, just guys that are particularly good at that, it sets you up for your routes down the field. Um, so uh, run after catch. I mean, I feel like that one's pretty self-explanatory. As many yards as you can get after, that's going to benefit your offense a lot. Yeah, and so I kind of want to speak to this a little bit more because this is something that as we are kind of putting this list together, I brought up with more value than, than you initially did. The primary reason behind this is that I'm looking at more analytics necessarily. Um, so if you look at what the San Francisco 49ers did this year with their receiving core, it was all run after catch. And it was purely schematic. Those guys really weren't great route runners. I really didn't have any other skills other than running after, with the ball in their hands. Debo Samuel's perfect example came in as a rookie and was instantly electric with the ball in his hands. And if you've got a play caller that can get the ball in a playmaker's hands, I feel like that's kind of a really overused term, but it makes. But this is here where it's important. This is the perfect exam, example of it. And Kyle Shanahan's the maybe first or second best play caller in the league. 
I think total offense, that, that's very – I think we can tie him with Andy Reid. Yeah. So when you're talking about getting playmakers the ball, this is something that all the best offenses do. It doesn't matter where they catch the ball or where they get the ball. It just matters what they can do. The total yardage when you're done – you know, when you're at the end of the game. So uh, right after catch is important, especially with the screen game today. Um, I think you'd agree. Oh, yeah. The screen so, game has become more valuable than – I mean, you look at the Arizona offense. I was that's about to largely the what they used. Cliff Kingsbury came from Texas Tech, where he, you know, ran a college system, and he's moving that into the NFL, and the NFL is taking to more college style offense. Absolutely, and I think uh, two guys in that offense that specifically you'll see a lot from are Andy Isabella and Christian Kirk, who each run sub four four. Oh yeah, using that speed is something that they need to do a better job of this year. I feel like they really underutilized that speed last year, especially with Andy Isabella because he never. He almost never saw the field, which is amazing to me. With, with someone that talented, I don't understand that decision at all. So I, I'm not one to question a head coach, but I just question a head coach. So, um, <clears throat> next up, we got body control. I I think I should specify what this is. I mean, it's kind of a vague term, so going into yeah. that could be helpful. Yeah. So um, I think the poster child for this is going to be Antonio Brown. I mean, am I wrong? No, you're not no. wrong at all. Uh, Antonio Brown. Another guy that really stands out to me is Julio Jones. Julio Jones uh, is, DeAndre the, is the prototype for yeah. all of these. We'll, we'll get to there. So when you look at a receiver that has high levels of body control, it comes out in two ways, in my opinion. Um, the first one is going to be that of working the sidelines, getting both feet and bounds and retaining possession of the football. It's going to be mainly no having awareness of where the – where your body is in like relative to the space around you in the field. And secondly, it's going to come up in contested catch situations where you're trying to out-leverage a defender um, and play a power forward position almost. You know, when we're talking about contested catch, it's not the Madden animation where you do a flip. Yeah. It's, you know, going up and catching through contact and being able to hold on to the ball. And you know who I think it actually is the best at this um, is Michael Thomas. Michael Thomas is very underrated in this aspect. Well, and people talk about his hands like it's just his hands, and it's not. It's that he puts himself, and this is why a slant from him is so hard to defend. His release is good if he's not from the slot. If he's from the slot, he's a free release. And then he's got a big frame, and he can box you out. He understands that he has a big frame, and he yeah. uses that to his advantage by how good his body control is. Exactly, between the fact that if you're behind him, you're not going to outreach his arms because he's a long dude. And then also, the fact, you can't undercut his route because he's going to, I mean, he's just going to box you out. Oh, yeah. Um, and, that's, and then he has Drew Brees who gives him, you know, some great passes. Yep. And I, and I think this isn't just for big receivers either. No. Um, you see smaller receivers, they tend to use it in the underneath game. Julian Edelman's a perfect example Julian Edelman is elite at body control, in my opinion, and just the way that he uses it to shield himself from contact. He shields himself from contact. He shields the ball from getting intercepted. Absolutely. Um, this is there's just there's so much here that goes into body control, and it's down the list. But honestly, all these things are important. I would even almost say that body control might be above rack. They're they're right there. Um, and the final thing, and this is actually what might surprise people, is athleticism. Well, I mean, it's, you really can't do much without athleticism in the NFL. Well, absolutely. Um, and even some of these guys that people would think are less athletic, Julian Edelman's a punt returner early on in his career. Uh, there's a reason he switched to wide receiver from quarterback, and that's because he was an athlete. No, he was a great athlete. Um, he's just not known for 
you know, tearing up the sidelines and running, you know, fade routes. Well, you know, athleticism sometimes is often viewed as someone doesn't have it if it's not flashy, but they can still be an athletic player and not necessarily be a flashy highlight real player. Absolutely. Um, ultimately, unless unless you're a Juwan Jennings um, running a four seven five, Oof. you know, you're an athlete if you're anywhere near, you know, if they're anywhere near the field. No, that forty time is. I think just he, painful. I think he might have been hurt for that. I really hope he was because he was a spectacular I, player. I hope so because woof. Yeah, that was rough. So now we're gonna get into um, our positional prototypes. And I'll, I'll let you start that off with your first, and then I'll reveal my first one. And I guess we'll kind of go back and forth okay. like that. I can guarantee you, my first one is gonna be the exact same as your first, and it's Julio Jones. I mean, I mean, I can't deny that my first one is Julio it's, Jones. He's the perfect prototype of a great wide receiver. Yeah. Let's go down the list here, right? Hands. Has him. Okay. Routes. Absolutely. He's got his own route tree. I mean, I'm, that's just what everybody says. Uh, release. Oh, I mean, you, has anyone ever kept him on the line? I don't think you can. You can't afford to. I mean, maybe put Jalen Ramsey on him. He has a hard time. That's, but a, that's Russian roulette. Yeah, that's 50-50. I, you're, you're just waiting for him to blow you up. Uh, run after catch ability. I'd see Eagles 2019. Uh, I would prefer not to see that. <laughs> um, see body control. I see 28 to three Super Bowl. Oh, that dear. catch on the sideline. I. It's everything. It was incredible. I would then I was thinking about the rest of that game and. Uh, okay, athleticism. We all know he ran. What was it? A sub? Did he run? A sub four four at the combine was it was like it? a four three five. Yeah, with a hurt foot. Yes. I don't think it was necessarily four three five. It was high four threes with a bro- with like a fractured foot. So Which his athleticism under a four four with a fractured foot is ridiculous. Yeah, I tell you what, uh, you go over your number two. I'm gonna actually look this up real quick. Uh, and my number to that. my number two is not necessarily one that uh, I don't think people would think about. My number two is Doug Baldwin. Oh, I really like that. Doug Baldwin was a great route runner. Oh, I like great, that a lot. Great release <laughs> off the line. Great catches. It was consistent for his quarterbacks for years. Oh, man. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Dude, that's a comp for Van Jefferson. It really Dang is. Dang it. I'm, I'm really annoyed. Ugh. Okay, yeah, yeah, you keep, keep talking about that. Gonna... <laughs> Doug, Doug, Doug Baldwin's one of those guys I think uh, gets uh, forgotten about, but in my opinion, he's a Hall of Famer. No oh, doubt. he's one of my all-time favorites. Um, okay, just for the record, Julio Jones ran a 4-4-2 with a broken foot. So, um, But, yeah, absolutely, Doug Baldwin is so many of these things. Talk about the hands, obviously. One-handed catch against, the believe, was the Vikings in the playoffs on fourth down. It was insane. And that's a flash, but it's just examples, like, his routes are obviously his high point. Um, release, he's run mostly from the slot. So he doesn't have to use it as much. No, but. he did line up wide against guys like Patrick Peterson, for example, in his prime. Um, you know, run after catch ability was good. Not great, but it was good. Uh, body control and athleticism. Athleticism is not necessarily elite, um, but his body control was His was body control was top-notch. He was athletic enough to be able to get some rack. Absolutely. Um it's about time for your number two here. Yep. I'd also like to point out, uh, run after catch and route running kind of go hand in hand because if you've got good route running, it sets you up for run after catch. Yes. The more separation you have, the more space you have to create rack. Exactly. So, um, and my, my number two, it, it was tough. I was kind of looking at, believe it or not, Mike Evans. 
I can see that. Uh, like, we've got Julio, we've got Mike Evans, right? Mike Evans is, he's not just a big dude. That's what he is. He's 6'5". No, he's huge and has fan, some of the best, maybe the best body control in the league. His ability, if I had to choose anybody to throw a jump ball to... It's Mike Evans. On fourth, uh, you know, fourth and goal from the nine, I'm throwing a fade to Mike Evans every time because he's just bigger than you. Oh, and he's just bigger, not stronger. Not only is he bigger, he's got the athleticism to where he can run a similar route tree to Calvin Johnson. Yes. In that he he can run that slant on you. He can fake the fade, run the slant. You're not going to press him because he'll run through you. You know, um, he's got the frame to where he can keep corners' hands off of him because he can just outreach them. Like he's just he's got a lot of everything that you want, and I think he is a tremendously underrated player in today's NFL. Because when people think of elite wide receivers, they kind of think of, yeah, this guy, this guy, this guy. Oh, and My- Mike Evans too. Don't forget him. He's one of those guys that kind of gets brushed over, kind of like Doug Baldwin does. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, that's absolutely with that. Um, I mean, they're obviously not the same player, but they both kind of get forgotten about in their own right. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and keep in mind, these are not necessarily the best receivers. These are my prototype receivers because you've got different types of dudes. Um, yep, you, you can go on to your third one. And my third one is another one I don't think you expect. We're going with another historic one, and that's Reggie Wayne. Ah, yeah, there you go. You went with, with the craftier dudes here. I like the crafty receiver. So yeah. my favorite receiver in the league right now is Devontae Adams. Yeah. So right. I like the crafty dude to make space, run good routes, and help their quarterbacks out. So that's why I went with Reggie Wayne as my third one. All right. Um, and then this is my inner Chiefs fan, but I mean, you can't. Tyreek Hill. I mean, Tyreek Hill is just more athletic than everybody else. He's, and not only is he athletic, though, but you will find he displays the hands, the ability to run routes releases specifically, like, good luck pressing Tyreek Hill unless you've got a guy in the back half. You shouldn't try. No. His run after catch is self-explanatory. He's a weapon in every every. What's his 40 time? He didn't go to the combine, but it was low four twos, easily. Um, You know, his body control, people people do not realize how good he is at getting to the ball and catching it. Um, See... Texans game early in the season this last year where he takes Eric Reed to the woodshed. Oh dear. Poor um, Eric Reed. Absolutely mossed. His first game back from injury um, by a little 5'10 speed receiver. He's more than just, he's not Justin Ross. No. He's a complete receiver and athleticism is just self explanatory. His ability, his movement skills are very similar to Lamar Jackson actually in the way that he just bounces. Like he just teleports. Um, so, I mean, I think, and I went for physical dominance because even though I wanted to, I mean, obviously being crafty, I was thinking Julian Edelman, just having the dudes that know how to find space is very important. No, it really is. It um, really is. I, mean, I was thinking, uh, what's his name? The, uh, yeah, the slot receiver from uh, Cooper Cup. Oh, yeah, great receiver. Ex-quarterback, you know. Understand space, understand what the quarterback needs from him and where to be, especially in a scramble drill situation. Cooper Cup's a great guy to have. Yep, guys like that. Um, guys that know how to get open in the scramble drill, you've got guys like that. You've got, um, he went to, uh, the, oh, yep, went to Arizona. DeAndre Hopkins. I can't, I don't remember why I couldn't think of his name. DeAndre Hopkins is elite at that. You know, guys that just know where to be. 
No, DeAndre Hopkins is going to be fun to watch this year with Kyler Murray oh, throwing him the ball. Started on that. That's going to be insane. And uh, Cliff Kingsbury calling his plays there. He's going to have a breakout year. Um, it their RPOs plus one of the best slant runners in the NFL, DeAndre Hopkins. It's scary. He's going to win. Um. So anyway, that's fun topic, but we <laughs> could talk about that for literally forever. That might have to be a whole episode on its own. Yep. And looks like we're on time. Uh, and tight ends, this is going to be an interesting conversation because you and I philosophically are on different ends of this. Now, this is really fun for me as I play tight end, so it's fun to talk about, you know, the position that I play, so. Yeah. Um, so first thing that we got, this was the easiest one of them all, and it wasn't close. Hands. If you have a tight end that drops the ball, he needs to be removed from the field and cut from the team. Because at that point, it's another tackle. I mean, just like gain some weight, play tackle. Yep. So you have, you absolutely have to have hands, or yeah, you, I mean you have to have hands. Um, it's just as simple as that. That includes being able to catch in traffic as well, like catch over the middle. That's what you need tight ends for. You need a safety valve for your quarterback, and he has to make a catch through contact, especially in clutch situations. Absolutely. A uh, second is IQ. Um, man, IQ is one of those things where it's kind of a, it's kind of one of those things where, um, you look at, you look at the stat line by the time the game's over and they just quietly get like seven catches, 112 yards. And you're just like, whoa, where did that come from? An example of it this year, I was watching a Vikings game and, uh, it's overtime. It's fourth and two on the goal line, and Kirk Cousins rolls out and throws Kyle Rudolph the ball. Kyle Rudolph leans over, thinking he's in the end zone, lets his knee touch before the he's in the goal line, and that's just not high IQ play. Yep. Like, that's simple. Well, you need your tight end. He, the play worked perfectly. That's you need your tight end to be the smart guy that gets make sure he's in the end zone. Absolutely. And, and it's not just that, but they need to understand. I mean, and tight end is notoriously one of the most difficult positions to learn. It's a hard learning curve. Not only are you learning to be a receiver, you're learning to be a tackle. Yes. And IQ is incredibly important. Uh, TJ Hawkinson's one of those dudes that was kind of a can't-miss ta- uh, tight end because he had Such the intelligence good to block. and a great receiver. He had everything that you wanted. Um, I'm really hoping he can take that step up because you usually see that in their second and third year. Well, he had a pretty solid rookie season for a tight end, yeah. but it's a hard situation that he's in there in Detroit. So uh, of, Yes, of all places. Um so next up is is rack, and this was something that was kind of a late add into the third spot after we thought about the rest of it. Um, the difference between a receiver and a tight end is that they they pick up ugly yards. They're a, they're a running back down the field almost in a way. They really are, and, and it's important because they're going to make that really difficult catch against a linebacker. But then it's about, can you get those two or three yards out? Can you that? shrug that linebacker off and gain some yards? Or even, like you see with Kelsey a lot of the time, he'll catch it, and then he'll just turn around and kind of sneak, like just kind of sneak two or three yards out. Which, those two or three yards can be a big deal. I mean, that's the those are the chain movers right there. It's the guys that, you know, a receiver might get hit after the catch and go down. A tight end's going to fight through it. Um, well, and that's really what you need in a tight end, just a guy that moves the chains for you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, let's see. After rack, you got blocking. This is 
just it, it's obvious. You know, if you don't, you want a tight end that's going to help you on first down to get to that second and medium. I mean, if you have a running back running outside zone, tight end that can't block, it's not going to work. Exactly. Um, you know, that's that's where the Jimmy Grams of that's where the Jimmy Grams of the world just can't keep up. Kyle Rudolph as well, like. Some of those dudes that might be great receiving tight ends are liabilities in line, and it really it turns them into slot receivers. By the way, Kyle Rudolph is a very good player. We aren't intending to dog on. Him oh here. no, he's a great he's a great player, and he's better than Jimmy Graham for sure at blocking. Oh no doubt, J- Jimmy Graham. I don't know if he. Yeah, I'm not going to get started. I on mean, that. and our prototype for tight ends, you know, as we're not done. Oh, we're not done. We're yet. not done. No, there's two more. This is tight ends. It's complicated. Uh, we're going to go over for sure. Uh, so agility and speed. I kind of put agility slash speed as in you can have a slow tight end that's agile. All you got to do is break at the top of your route and have some good have some good lateral agility. Jason Witten. Not fast in a straight line. Very slow. But he had side-to-side side speed. IQ and the lateral agility to make his break. Yes. And to get separation between him and whoever's covering him. Uh, and that was something where he could just get open. He also had that weird tight end rack where he would just fall forward for three more yards. Exactly. Um, and then speed. It could be an or speed thing. Look at, uh, for example, uh, George Kittle. Might not necessarily be the most agile dude. But he's fast. But he can move in a straight line. Uh, Gronk is kind of that way. Gronk was not very agile, but he ran like a deer. Ran like a deer and was huge. Yeah. Massive. Truly massive. And finally, we have body control. Here's where I am going to compliment, uh, what's his face, Kyle Rudolph. Because had to, we had to give him a compliment. It's, it's one of those things, like when I think of good body control from a tight end, I'm not going to lie, I think of Kyle Rudolph in the red zone. He makes some crazy catches. He is a massive receiver on the red zone. Like, you almost don't want him to be in line because you could put him out wide, and he can come down with that catch over some poor safety that they bring out there. Well, and you better believe as smart a quarterback as Kirk Cousins is, he sees that matchup all day long. Absolutely. Um, I'm not going to comment on the Saints. Nope. That's not important. Nope. Uh, so, so, for you go ahead. Uh, and you know what? I'm going to go with my first with my first. uh my first prototype. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with Kelsey. It's kind of an obvious one. Um, as far as the modern tight end goes, the modern receiving tight end, he's a big receiver. I mean, that's what he is. Um, and he lacks blocking prowess. He has ability. They will put him out there as a blocker on a bootleg from Holmes. And he can make some stuff happen versus defensive end for just long enough. Um, which is why he isn't in the big wide receiver category. He shows obviously great agility and speed. There's a play against A.J. Bouye last year in week one. Just ran a wheel route on the dude across the field. And, I mean, just outran the guy. Outran a corner. A solid corner at that. Uh, he's got obviously got great hands. Consistency-wise, he's disappointing at times. I'm not going to lie. He really is. He had a tough day against the Texans in the divisional round. He had a tough day almost every week in the first quarter, um, which is something as a Chiefs fan I'm not necessarily happy about. Um, as far as IQ, 
he's a lot more of a conventional route runner, like a wide receiver, than just sit in the hole. Oh, he really is. Um, He's going to make separation against man coverage. Uh, And then, obviously, Rack, he's very sneaky. He finds that way to, you'll have two guys about to tackle him, and he'll just kind of peel out and get a couple yards or get an open space, um, make a dude miss. You know, and then then body control. He's a great, he's pretty good in the red zone. Yeah, he really is. Big receiver. Oh, he's still my second tight end there. But my first one is uh, figured, yeah. is my uh, favorite, my, probably my second favorite player in the league to watch under wins, and that's George Kittle. We've already talked about him, and he fits all of those yep. very well. Yep. He's the perfect He's the perfect tight end to scheme up. Uh, he really is. Because like, if I could scheme a tight end, if I could pick, oh, man, it's hard not to say, out of any weapon in the NFL to scheme up on a deep crosser, Kittle has got to be up there. Oh yeah. Because not only is he going to outrun a you know, whoever is whoever guarding him, but then he's going to he's gonna run over you got a safety over the top of him, it doesn't matter. He's going through you. If you've got a poor corner, yeah, it, he's it's a touchdown. He's open. Corner. It's a touchdown. He's open. You know, uh, and his IQ he shows using such a good head fakes of faking where he's going and you know, manipulating the defense that we talked about earlier. Kittle is a master of that. Yeah. And he's a little bit bigger. He doesn't necessarily have the agility, like the top of his route agility, but the true speed and his blocking ability. His blocking ability is something that I think gets forgotten about a lot, but you can line the guy up a tackle for a game. He'd be fine. Oh, he's a legitimate, and that speaks to his character, I feel like. You know, when Kyle Shanahan said in an interview, he doesn't ask for the ball. He asks for plays where he can block. He wants to get his pancakes. Absolutely. Um, You know, and I think... When it comes down to it, tight end, and this is a big thing that we didn't include here, you've got to have grit. Oh, yeah. Like, grit, and it's something that's obviously in all these, but, like, tight end is a very gritty position. You're in the trenches, you know, you're over the middle, you're doing all of the all of the dirty work for your team on offense. You know, because, uh, you know, an offensive lineman might be in the trenches all game, but he's not catching passes over the middle. No. This is what I mean. That's what a tight end does every single play, and so finding somebody who's real gritty, which is ironic because Kelsey isn't seen. He's seen as more of a wide receiver, that superstar type. But man, he will take shots, and he's not afraid to. I mean, you really can't play tight end if you're not going to. I think the only tight end, modern tight end, that's so great that we haven't brought up is you know, as an Eagles fan. Yeah, I was very, about to say someone, he was my second I'm one. You wouldn't let me say of it. Is Zach Ertz? Oh, dang it! That's my. For the record, that's my second one. So there we go. <laughs> Zach Ertz is a... He's the modern Witten. Am I wrong? I know. He really is. He plays just like him. Possession tight end. And, man, you got to love him. He just... He finds ways. He's this one of the sneakiest guys. Like I was talking about. He gets to the end of the game, and you go, how on earth did he do that? He's tearing you up while the rest of the receivers are... Who? Greg Ward? Like, yeah. and so what you're going to put a line... Uh, that, let's not talk about it. Yeah, no, no, I'm just... <laughs> Receiving core as an Eagles so, fan, that's painful to me. <laughs> yeah. I, so, yeah, that, that was my number two. So who's your number three? Because you oh. stole my two, so we've been through my three here. And this was difficult for me. And I, I promise I know more than four tight ends. But <laughs> Kyle Rudolph was number four because he's the... He's the Jimmy Graham type. Uh, but a little bit better blocker. Uh, yeah, a little bit better blocker. And I was going to go with Evan Ingram. 
he's very Kittle-like. He's literally just a big wide receiver. He's a big wide receiver, but he didn't have the blocking skill of Kittle. No, he's a wide receiver. Yeah, he's got the blocking skills of a wide receiver, you know. Um, I think Noah Fant is kind of on his way to being a pretty good young tight end. Yeah, he's one of those guys we got to watch a couple more years um, and see what he yeah, brings to the table. What, what's the name of the guy over in, uh, over in L.A., the Chargers? Oh, Hunter Henry. Hunter Henry is one of those. He's one of those guys that you don't get to see play that often because he has an injury play career. Absolutely. Um, so, yeah, that, that, those are my three. You can obviously throw in a whole lot more. Um, it's just, man, I, I was thinking about Gronk. I try to include guys that you're going to actually find. You're, you're not going to find a Gronk. You're not going to find a Gronk physically. It's just impossible. He's a freak of nature. I'm yeah. so excited to watch him play again this year. Yeah, I I, unfortunately, I just I, I don't think he'll be physically where he was two years ago. Uh, even two years ago, and two years ago he was a robot. Yeah. So, uh, who were your last two guys? Uh, well, my last two there were Kelsey and Ertz with Kelsey Kittle on my at okay. uh, the top of my list. All right. That I mean that's a good that's a good list. I feel like it's a really good list. Yeah, I, I feel like it's hard to do tight ends justice, but you know what? I feel like we might have. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, my, my producer's telling me we got to go ahead and cut this thing <laughs> short right now. Um, yeah, thanks thanks for thanks for tuning into episode two. I don't know when this is actually going to go up. It might go up next week. It might go up two weeks from now. But, you know, we'll, we'll keep this series going. We'll get into the trenches. With our next, with our next ones, should be fun. That that'll be the best one of the whole series, honestly. I, oh, I have no I'm doubt. Feeling. So, uh, that's that's all for us. Uh, thanks for sticking with us for a little over an hour. I promise they won't get too much longer than this. I can't promise that, but it's difficult. It's difficult to promise that from us. Uh, but yeah, it it was fun for us. Hope it's hope it's fun for you. Hope it's worth your time. Um, let me know what y'all think. Um, go follow me at at Amateur Draft Scout on Instagram. I'm on Twitter. I don't do anything on Twitter, so there's no point. Uh, so that's that's all for me. Signing out on this one. Yeah, it's been fun. All right. Later. Later.